following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Lord, we thank you. We pray that, Lord, you would be with us as we hear your word this morning. Thank you for your freedom, paid for by the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Oh, you've remembered how to say amen after our long holiday? Well, that's good. That's a good start. What's not a good start is I can't get my phone out. Here we go. Well, kia ora church. Ngamahi nui kia koutou. Happy New Year. It's good to be back, isn't it? It's good to be back. It is hot in here. Oh my goodness. Me and Donovan had this debate. Do we wear shorts or not? on stage this morning, and I lost that debate. Uh, but it's okay, it's okay. Uh, just by a show of hands, did anybody leave Auckland over summer period, over the last few weeks? Did anybody get out of Auckland? Nice. PG, I know you left Auckland, mate. Your hand work. Um, did anybody leave the country? Did anybody get out of New Zealand? No one. Oh, a couple of people, a couple of people. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just got back from the Gold Coast myself. I was there for a week with my old man, visiting my auntie. And we had one day of sun. I'm not even joking. Every other day it rained and was overcast. And when it rains in Australia and other places too, I guess, it gets real muggy and hot, you know? And it was like 30 plus degrees and no sun out. So I kind of wish I was here. <laughs> but it is good to be back. And uh, this morning, I kind of want to talk about this idea of, you know, for some of us, this period of time is a really relaxing time. Summer. We get to spend time with family and friends and relax and kind of enjoy ourselves, unwind, step out of the chaos and the busyness of life, don't we, and just breathe. Some of us had a big year in 2023, and we needed it. I also know for some people this morning that summer's just as busy, if not busier. And I want to acknowledge that for some people in the room, that summer isn't always a relaxing, peaceful time. It's a hard time. It's a it brings back maybe some memories, or, or, or it's just, you know, you're busy as. If you work in hospitality, I know I used to work in hospitality, summer's the worst, because <laughs> it's just busyness. But we're about to step into 2024, we're about to step back into the routine, what we call in Auckland the rat race, you know, I never heard that term before I moved to Auckland, the rat race, uh, but I know it now, well and truly, uh, and we're going to get back into routine and back into busyness. But I want us as a church to be able to take some element of that pausing, relaxing, that, that breathing time, and actually have it happen consistently as the year goes on. My prayer is that we wouldn't just wait till the end of the year to catch our breath, but that we would look at ways that we can do that as the year goes on. And if some of us are back to work tomorrow and you're just gearing up for it, some of us are already back at work, some of us teachers in the room, we've got a few more weeks, yes. Um, and then it's just all on. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'd love it if you could get them out and turn with me to the book of Joshua. We're going to the book of Joshua. We're going to Joshua 22, so it's near the end. And I'm just going to give you a bit of context as to where Joshua 22 sits in the story of Scripture. Is that cool this morning? Sweet. Thanks, Noah. So Joshua 22, it's a pretty cool story. But before we get to the story, we have the tribes of Israel have just conquered the land of Canaan, the promised land, okay? 
and, you know, it's the land that the Lord had promised to them. And Moses got them so far, you know, he was just there, he could see it. Then he hands the baton on to Joshua. And Joshua leads the, the Israelites, and they conquer the land of Canaan. And we have all these epic battles and stories, you know, uh, the fall of Jericho, we've got crossing the Jordan, the sun standing still, all these things that happen in the conquering of the land of Canaan. And we get to Joshua 22, and what's happening in the context here is the land is now being allocated up amongst all the tribes of Israel. So there, you know, you've conquered the land, now this is where you're going to live, this is where you're going to live, you're going to stay here, you're going to stay here, etc. And we've got these eastern tribes. This is the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. Now, they're kind of a special kettle of fish uh, because they had been promised land beforehand. They're the only tribes that did. All the other tribes were getting their land allocated to, to them live in the moment. But these tribes, they had been promised by Moses that when the battle was over, when the, the conquest had finished, they could return back to the Jordan, to the east of the Jordan, take their plunder, take their livestock, and go back to that land over there. So Joshua 22 starts with Joshua giving them the blessing to go and return home. Make sense? Awesome. That was a brief summary. But now I'm going to kind of go through Joshua 22, the story that takes place in Joshua 22, and how there are a series of pauses that take place, a series of moments where the Israelites stopped for a minute, took a breath, and I want to see if we can pick up on those. Now, just again, I'm going to summarize again because it's a big chapter and, you know, it's summer. We don't want to be here all day, you know. So I'm going to summarize, but you can skim along with me. So as I'm kind of summarizing the story of what happens in Joshua 22, feel free to read along. So Joshua 22, the eastern tribes are, re are returning home, and Joshua essentially tells them, do not forget the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember what he's done for you. you off you go. And so they head off, but they stop at this place called Galiloth. They stop at Galiloth, and they decide to build what Scripture says is a huge and imposing altar. The eastern tribes build that. The other tribes go, they find out about it, and they go, hang on a minute. Remember, I'm paraphrasing. Hang on a minute won't be in your Bibles. Um, <laughs> the Brad translation. Hang on a minute. This is not good. They're rebelling against the Lord. They're building this 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 idol, this, this, they're worshipping themselves, they're, they're turning away from the Lord already. And their minds instantly go back to the times that's happened in the past. It mentions such sin as when they build this, this idol at Peor, I believe it's pronounced, and the wrath of God and the judgment of God came on Israel for turning away from him. So they have, they've, got fresh, they've got the memories there. We turn away from the Lord, this ain't a good thing. So the Israelites all gather at this place called Shiloh, ready to go to war against the eastern tribes. And it says the whole assembly of God gather. But what they decide to do is they decide, hang on, before we do this, let's just go and find out what's going on. Let's just figure it out. So the high priest or the priest, Phineas, he leads a delegation. And this delegation, in that delegation, there is the head of each household of the 10 tribes of Israel that is still there. So him and these 10 blokes, they head on out to confront the eastern tribes at Galiloth and basically ask them what's going on. And they do. They get there and they, think, they say to the eastern tribes, how dare you turn from the Lord? What, what are you thinking? Why are you rebelling against the Lord? To which point the eastern tribes reply, hold the phone. Remember, they don't actually say hold the phone. Paraphrasing. Hold the phone. This isn't what's going on. 
If that's what we're doing, would the Lord strike us down now? No, no, no. We're not building an altar and turning from the Lord. We're building something to remember the Lord. We're building a memorial to remember who the Lord is, what he has done in our lives, and also so that our future generations, our descendants, ancestors, yeah, descendants, that's the right way around, isn't it? Our descendants can come back and worship at the temple, and you won't go, you don't belong here at the temple, because obviously they're going to be crossing over from the Jordan, so as time goes on, people forget who's, who's who in the zoo, right? People forget who's friends, you know? That, we all know that happens. Just look at the world today. And so the tribes led by Phineas, the, the delegation, they're happy with that. They're like, oh my goodness, this is a great thing you've done. And they return back to Shiloh, report back the good news, and they even say to the, to the tribes, we are going to call this altar witness to establish that it's a witness between them that they are both the Lord's people. And that's the story. So it's a great story. It's, well, you could say it's action-packed, but it's kind of not because it doesn't actually take place. But we have this huge almost war, don't we? This miscommunication where all of a sudden, you know, these guys were going to go and turn on each other all over this, what they don't know what's going on. Hey, the eastern tribes, they build this thing. They, the other tribes don't know what's going on. And we have this massive miscommunication. But in the middle of that, in the middle of that story, there are a series of pauses that takes place. In the middle of the chaos and the busyness of what goes on, these pauses take place. And I'm praying and hoping, for myself at least, that some of these pauses we can actually apply to our own lives as we start 2024 as we get back into the busyness and the routine of life, maybe we can establish some pauses in our own life. And I'm going to say the word pause so many times today, you're going to get sick of it, and it's intentional. Because if you leave here this morning, and it's hot, there's no fans, it's crazy. If you remember pause, you've done all right. The first pause is that one, the memorial pause. I'm glad my slideshow works today. The memorial pause, the pause that started this entire situation. If you come with me to verse 10, it says in Joshua 22, when they came to Galilee near the Jordan in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. Now, of course, the Israelites hear about this. We'll dive into their reaction shortly in depth and their pause. Skip ahead with me to verse 26 and 27. This is when the delegation has arrived, and they're explaining what's going on. This is the Eastern tribes explaining themselves. Well, th th that is why we said, let us get ready and build an altar, but not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in the Lord. Isn't that an awesome thing? that these guys decided we need to take some time to acknowledge God. We need to take some time to stop what we're doing and build something to the Lord because he is important and we need to remember that now and in the future. You've got to remember, these guys, these eastern tribes, they're on their way home from what? War, yes. They're on their way home from war. And I can imagine if you're on your way home from war... You're not full of butterflies, you know? You're tired, you're bruised, you're pain, you've got pain, you're sore, 
You know, I don't know about you, but whenever you are on your way home from something, you just want to get home, don't you? You've been away on a trip, you just want to get to your own bed, eh? You know, I just got back, like I said, from the Gold Coast, beautiful, sunny Gold Coast, and, you know, me and my dad were coming through the airport, and you've got to go through baggage claim, and you wait for ages for the conveyor belt thing, and then you've got to go through the, what is it called, border security and all that stuff, and the dogs come through, and even though you know you're not guilty, you feel guilty, you know, you're walking like, oh, there's nothing in here, but, you know, just, who's put something in my bag? Um, and then you get through that, and then you've got to go and wait for that the taxi thing to take you to the, where your car is. Then you've got to drive home. You know that. You just want to get home. But these guys stopped, and they built this altar. And I can imagine, and I'm reading into the text here a little bit, they didn't just stop for two minutes, because it says they built a huge and imposing altar. That tells me that it took a bit of time. They knew, yep, we need to get home, but we also know it's important to pause, stop, and build this thing to the Lord. My whittle, which means challenge, my challenge or question for us this morning is, are we taking time or can we take time this year when routine starts and when it gets busy to pause and reflect on God, who he is, what he is doing in our lives, what he has done? Are we practically reminding ourselves? What do I mean by practically? So they built this practical altar, didn't they? They built this thing, and it was served as a reminder to them who God is. There are ways we can do that in our lives, different ways, that we can build practical things that will remind us or make practical things that will remind us of who God is, what he's doing. I don't know what that could look like for you. I've got a couple of ideas, but really it's up to you. One of them is journaling or writing things down that you see the Lord do in your life. This is my little journal. I was looking at it this morning in the car for my flatmate, and it is cringy sometimes to look at. And it doesn't say things like dear diary and things like that. It's not like that. But I wrote down things in here like uh, when I'm reading scripture and things have jumped out at me or stood out to me, I wrote, I wrote it down. Uh, when I was on mission trips or uh, not school camps, what do you call it? Youth camps, things like that. And there were testimonies of God moving in people's lives or doing the miraculous and things like that. I'd write it down. When someone had a word for me or an encouragement for me, I'd write it down. Now, I'm not in the habit of it at the moment, which is why I'm preaching to myself here. I need to get back into this habit. But the amazing thing about doing something like this, making notes in your Bible even or highlighting things, whatever it might be, is it does two things for you. The first thing is you're actually taking time to actually be intentional in listening to God's voice and then spend some time applying it somewhere. Your phone notes is a good one. If you look at me in service, you'll think I'm texting. I'm not. I'm writing all these notes. You know, Reuben's talking, you're like, oh, that's great, that's great. Oh, what do you say then? Oh, oh that's great, you know. But it, it, what it does is that you, you're intentionally reflecting on what God is speaking to you about or what he's done for you. The second thing it does, which is really awesome, is it serves as a reminder the amount of times I've gone back and looked at this book, even this morning, and gone, oh my goodness, I totally forgot God did that. I totally forgot God said that. Oh my goodness, that's... And it encourages you in that moment. The amount of times, actually, that I've looked back in one of my journals or something like that, because I've got a couple of them, and it's been years, months, weeks, whatever it is, later, and gone, this is what I need to hear right now. That happens too. 
doing something practical, like writing things down or whatever it might look like, is a really good way to remind you in the future of what God has done. And when you are needing encouragement in the future, when you're needing to step back and pause and just, God, I need you, sometimes you can look back and go, wow, what a reminder. That's right. Another practical monument you can build in your life, in your life when you're talking about like the memorial pause, so to speak, is the conversation. If you catch up with somebody and share with them what God is doing in your life, what he's done, who he is, that person now can remind you in the future. One of my favorite things to do when I catch up with someone for coffee is, you know, me and Donovan, we had a catch up, we had katsubi recently, and we chewed the fat on the Bengals and on American life and New Zealand life and all sorts, we talked about a lot, Um, this was in the last year. But then we had this long, deep chat about God and the things of God. And those are the best chats to have. Because now you've got someone else in your life that can remind you when things get tough, when things get busy, that's right, God is still doing something in your life. I'm not saying we have to go around and build huge and imposing altars in our backyard to do that. Although, can you imagine that, eh? Driving around Albany. Oh, oh, these guys. <laughs> Look at Donovan's one. <laughs> Pause number two is what I would call the other's pause. So we see these Israelites, they've paused to acknowledge God and build something that will remind them in the future of who God is. Now, yes, they were building it to acknowledge God, but who were they primarily building that altar for? Their descendants, weren't they? It says that. It says that they're building it for the future generations to come so that they may worship in the temple. I guess when life gets busy, it can be really easy just to think about ourselves and be consumed with your own stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you've got to remember, these guys were coming back from war and they were tired and they still thought about other people. My challenge for this pause is to ask ourselves, how can we this year take the time to pause and think about others more often? Because when you start thinking about others, then you'll start doing things for others and you, and you, and you reap this, this kind of this habit of, of serving and loving other people. How often do we take the time to pray for others? If you're anything like me, you're in your prayer time and you realize that you said the word, me, help, God, my stuff, the whole prayer time, and you haven't even thought about somebody else. And it's okay. It's, of course it's okay to pray for the Lord and petition on your own behalf for things. I remember Todd and Donna Funk, who I, uh, they're not here. They're on camp. Uh, but they had told our life group one time this idea of when you're praying and someone drops into your mind, stop what you're doing. Well, no, don't stop praying. Stop praying about what you're praying about and switch your prayer focus to that person. It's probably intentional that they've come into your mind. Most likely, it's God putting that person in your mind, in your spirit. And I can't tell you that what happens when you shift your focus when you're praying for things in your own life, which, like I said, is nothing wrong with that, and you switch and you start praying for somebody else, praying for other people, your focus switches. Your heart switches to other people. You start putting other people first. How often do we pause when life gets busy, and think about how we can invest time, resources into other people. We're called to go and love God, love people, right? How often are we doing that practically? I think I've shared this from the pulpit before, 
and it was, I, was, I can't remember what I was talking about, something, and I was talking about how we could all be people that lend a hand to other people. You got someone, it could be something as big as someone needs a hand on Saturday, moving house, or building a fence, or what else do people do? Garden, mow the lawns, need a ride to the airport, you know? My flatmates know I'm a shocker with that. They don't even ask me anymore because I always make up an excuse. And that's bad. It's wrong. I need to be giving people a lift to the airport because I need them sometimes, <laughs> you know? It's a challenge for myself. How often do we take the time to invest, or pause, I should say, and think, how can I invest my resources into other people? If you're like me again, and I'm being really honest and vulnerable with you all this morning, you know, your income comes in, and you go, right, cool, this, is, <laughs> this chunk is for bills. It gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? Uh, this chunk is for, you know, some savings. This is for the family holiday. This little bit's for church. This is a little bit here. Um, and, you know, this bit's my, my food bank money for the week, groceries, whatever. We do that, right? Here's a, here's a challenge. Why don't we go, ooh, how can I invest just a little bit of what I've got and in, in what I've been blessed with this week into helping somebody else out? And I'm not talking about your church tithe. I think it's important to give to your local church. I really do. I'm talking beyond that, though. I'm talking about maybe shouting someone lunch, shouting someone a coffee. Um, you notice someone's got to give me, what are they called? GoFundMe page for something and just contributing a bit to that. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Would we be people this year, when life gets busy, when things get full on, when the routine kicks up again, would we pause and still think about other people? Is this okay this morning? Okay. Oh, that's good. Pause number three, the final pause this morning. The assumptions pause. Now let's switch to the other Israelites. So we, we looked at these two pauses. These eastern tribes, they knew we need to pause and acknowledge God and we need to pause and think about other people. What did the other tribes do? Verse 11, if you want to jump back in the word with me, you're more than welcome, says, And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan at Galiloth near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. The whole assembly, not just some, all of them, to wipe them out. Talk about, you know, going in guns blazing into a situation and not knowing the full story. I don't know if anyone can relate, but I can definitely relate to that. Skip ahead again with me to verse 16. This is once again when the eastern tribes are now confronted by the delegation who had arrived. It says, the whole assembly of the Lord says... How could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? Now we know in this room this morning that what they assumed was going on wasn't actually going on, right? They had thought that they were building this, this altar in rebellion to God, but they weren't, yeah? But how did they avoid the disaster of going into war and wiping out their brothers. They took the time to pause and challenge their assumption. 
How do we know that they did that? Before they went in, guns blazing, they sent a delegation, didn't they, to go and get the full story. How many conflicts or disasters do we find ourselves in when life gets busy and we're not thinking straight (laughs) because we make assumptions and run with it without taking the time to pause and challenge those assumptions we have? I guess this year, my prayer is that myself included, that we would be people that take the time to pause and challenge our own assumptions. Challenge what we think about places, you know? Challenge what we think about people, what we think about ourselves, even our own assumptions that we have about God and who He is and what His character is like. I know as a teacher, I have to challenge my assumptions, oh my goodness, every five minutes. <laughs> All the time, you've got to challenge your assumptions because you've got these awesome young people in front of you, 27, 28 of them, vibrant personalities in front of you, and they consistently enjoying life and doing all sorts of things. And you as the teacher, you have to really just challenge your own thoughts and views and assumptions. I know at the end of last year, uh, my class, we, you know, you clean up at the end of the day in the classroom. If anyone from school, well, I'm assuming all of you went to school, um, would remember the teacher would make you clean up at the end of the day, you know. Uh, and, you know, it takes, like, what, five, ten minutes? That's the norm. And my class, room 20, uh, it normally takes us about that time. But towards the end of the term, I was noticing it was taking ages to clean up. Like, I'm talking like 20 minutes some days. This one day in particular, I was looking around, and it was like, I'm not even joking, it was 15 minutes, and the floor was still dirty. My, my whole, there's a mystery item on the floor trick wasn't working, you know? They weren't picking it up to earn the marble for their table. And so we sat down, and I said to room 20, room 20, I've noticed something. I've noticed that we're cleaning up this classroom really slowly, and what I'd noticed is because half of them were having chats, you know, as they're walking around. And I said, hey, here's an idea. I'll play this song called The Final Countdown by Europe. And your plan is to get to the mat with the class spotless before that song's over. And then you can chat on the mat while we wait for the last few people. And it, it like, works a treat now. Like, the song starts. And the kids are like, oh, and they, they start going for it, you know. But literally the day after we made this plan as a class, all right, go clean, boom, and they're cleaning up. And I look over, and there's these two boys at the scissors station having a chat. And I'm going, you've got to be joking me. We've just talked about this. I didn't take the time to pause and challenge what I assumed was happening. I just went in guns blazing. And I went in there, and you don't yell as a teacher. I, I think it's really important you don't yell at your kids. And if you're a teacher in this room that yells at your kids, please don't. And... Um, we, I went in with the teacher voice. You can have the stern teacher voice. It's almost worse than yelling. And you come in and you go, I was like, boys, um, didn't we just talk about this yesterday? Talking? <laughs> and these boys turn around. And they're, they're not talking. They're stacking away the scissors for me nicely. Yeah. And I felt so bad. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, boys. Oh, I got that one wrong. But what happened? I didn't challenge what I was assuming. I just went in. And I know that so many of us get ourselves in conflict, in different situations, awkward situations, because we don't take the time to challenge what we're thinking. When it's, maybe it's other people. There might be someone in your life that you just, you know, they grind you the wrong way. You just can't stand them. I know that's true for me. And then you actually have to reflect and go, why do I feel that way? 
What have they actually done to offend me? You know? Like, challenge those assumptions. Why do I feel this way? Why do I have this like, feeling towards this person who I don't really know that well? Some of us are so angry at people we've never met. You know? Man, poor politicians. But like, it's just, we, we get so wound up. Sometimes it is founded, though. And I want to put that out there. That's a caveat, not caviar. Maybe some of you caught this one time I was preaching up here, and I said the caviar is, and I didn't know, it's not what you say, it's the caveat. The caveat is, sometimes it's justified, but we're still called to show love. We're still called to show the love of Christ to other people. Maybe it's our assumptions about God that we need to challenge. You know, something bad's happening in our life, God must be absent. God's not with me. Where is he? What have I done to offend him and annoy him that he doesn't want to speak to me? Sometimes we think, you know, we've sinned in some area, and our instant mindset is, I can't go and talk to God because I'm guilty right now, and I can't be near, this, I can't be near him. Or, or even, how do I earn God's love back? I don't know if anyone's ever had that feeling when you've sinned. I know I definitely have. When you think, oh, how do I like, earn his love and trust back? And then you kind of add to your own salvation by doing, trying to do good works, or you try and be guilty and condemned and all this stuff just to try and prove to God that you're really sorry, thinking that that somehow saves you, but it doesn't. That's cheapening the blood of Christ, because the blood of Christ is enough. That's why we've got to root our assumptions about God in Scripture. When we think God is absent, no, he's not, because the word says he neither leaves us nor forsakes us. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Even the thoughts we have about ourselves, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, I don't deserve to be in this situation, whatever it might be, challenge those assumptions too. I know a lot of us, struggle and wrestle, I know I have, with negative self-talk, you know? Um, can we bring it to Scripture? See what God says about you. If you were paid for, your reconciliation to Christ was paid for by the blood of Christ, how much must you be worth? If you go to the supermarket and you see a nice packet of, what's the ones I like? No, what's the, you have them too, I steal yours all the time. What are they called? Crispies. Um, Oh, the best dunking biscuits, you know. And if they're $4.50, I'm buying them. If they're not on special and they're $6, I'm buying them. Why? Because I believe the value that I'm, or the price I'm paying for them is worth it. Same goes for your lives. You must be worth something if the price for reconciliation was the blood of Christ. Root our assumptions in Scripture. So in conclusion... Three pauses. It's so hot in here, right? We need some fans. Let's invest our resources into some fans or aircon. The three pauses, the memorial pause, the others pause, and the assumptions pause. My challenge for myself and for us this morning is can we live 2024 from a place of pausing? Not waiting till next summer, not waiting till Christmas time to be able to step back and breathe again. No, we can, we can do this throughout the year, taking time to pause. And in my opinion, all of these pauses have one thing in common. And that is, they are hard to do. It is hard to be consistent. When life gets busy, it gets busy. And I appreciate for some of you in this room this morning, life isn't busy anymore. You're at a stage in life, I'll say, where, you know, things have slowed down a bit. And that's awesome. 
but you'll definitely remember what it was like to be busy. Or you'll have people in your lives that you're close to that are always busy. I was just saying to my flatmate this morning, or last night, sometimes I feel like a bit of a hypocrite up here because I'm up here saying we should do these things and not even I'm doing them consistently. But we're all human, and that's why, like in all things, me and you can lean into the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus. And in fact, we can look to Jesus as the ultimate model, can't we, for these pauses? Reuben always talks about narrative theology and the idea that you know, everything we talk about in Scripture, we can point back to Jesus. Whether it's about Jesus, pointing to Jesus, or Jesus modeled these things himself, can't we? If we look at the pauses, the memorial pause, how often did we see Jesus taking time in his day to spend it with God in the middle of his ministry? He was a busy man, being followed by many people. His social media following would have been more than Ronaldo's. I think he's the most, got the most following, I don't know. You know, he was busy. Every, was it morning or night? He'd find a time, wouldn't he, to go up on a mountain and pray. So off you go to Mount Vic. (laughs) You know, he found the time to go and pray alone with God. Whenever he would eat food, what did he do with his disciples? He'd, he'd, you know, bless the food and, and offer it to the Father, wouldn't he? The others pause. Well, I don't think we need to go into detail with that one of Jesus, do we? What do you do on that cross for me and you? It's safe to say that Jesus had others on his mind a lot. Even so much so, and a lot of people might not know this, but he didn't actually, he wasn't stoked about dying on the cross for me and you, was he? Think about what ha- happened in the garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> I can't say it. Gethsemane, whatever it is. That's the one. Think about what he did on that, in that garden. Sweating blood. And what did he say? If it is your will, Lord, take this, take this cup of suffering from me. Oh, I don't want to do it. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Sometimes when we put others before ourselves, it's going to cost something. But it's worth it. And the last one with assumptions. Well, Jesus was in the business of challenging assumptions. Just ask any old Pharisee. You know? The Pharisees would always be butting heads with Jesus because Jesus was challenging, not just them, but the, the people of the day. He was challenging them all the time, wasn't he? When he would go and hang out with tax collectors, disreputable sinners, the Pharisees would say, why are you hanging out with such scum? What are you doing? And Jesus replies, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Think about the woman caught in adultery in John 8 or 9, you know? All these people, stones in their hands, ready to... And what does Jesus say? Go for it. You who is without sin, throw the first stone. What did he do? He challenged the assumptions of everyone in that place that the person they were going to stone was worse than them. And what did they all do? Drop their stones and leave. And so as the worship team comes and joins me, I just want to wrap up um, in prayer But what I want us to do is just to think, this year, when we step back into it, can we be people, can we be a church that takes the time to pause, catch your breath? You don't have to be busy all the time. I know it's hard. But I think we don't have to wait till summer. We don't have to wait till holidays. We don't even have to wait till the weekend. We can find time in our day to pause and, and acknowledge God and, and, you know, 
build something practical to remember what he's doing. Put in others before ourselves in our thought life, in our prayer life, in our actions, and even challenge the way we think. Does that sound good? Awesome. Why don't you stand and join me, and we'll pray, and the worship team will do one last song. And can I just say, the worship team's set this morning was awesome, wasn't it? Can we give it up for the worship team? Wow. These guys are so amazing. Seriously, what a blessing those songs were this morning. A couple of bangers in there. Beauty. All right, let's pray. Father, we just acknowledge, God, that uh, we're all sinners and we're all broken and we all need your grace. And I thank you, Lord, that you take our sin on that cross and, and you forgive us. Thank you that we don't need to add to our salvation with anything but the blood of Christ. That is enough. And like that, that songs have been singing this morning, we're free indeed, Lord, because of what you did on that cross. Lord, we acknowledge we get busy sometimes, or all the time, and life is full on, 100 miles an hour. And my prayer, Lord, is that we would enter 2024 carrying rest, carrying peace, carrying pauses, that we would take time in our days to remember you, Lord, will we not get to the end of the week and look back and go, oh gosh, Lord, I haven't spent time with you, I haven't read the word, or oh, I haven't been close to you. God, will we make it a habit to spend time with you, even if it's just in the morning before work, whatever it is, Lord, will we spend that time with you? Would you give us a heart for other people and would you give us the, the humility to be able to challenge our own assumptions? We pray against pride. Lord, would we have no pride in this and would we just allow you, Lord, to change the way we think about other people, about ourselves, about you? Thank you that you're a good God. Thank you for giving us another day this morning. And uh, as we do this last song of worship, Lord, we just want to praise you because we're alive. We're saved. We have eternal life in Christ. Oh, happy day. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.